Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Well, what an honor it is to be back at Christian Ministries Hot Springs. We, we love this church. You won't find anybody that's a bigger advocate of Christian Ministries than Michelle and I. It's changed our family. Uh, we have two daughters that were raised in Christian Ministries' vision. Uh, they are now both married adults. We have six grandchildren, and we're loving life. It's just a great season to be in. Uh, I, I, I want to jump right in to what God has laid on my heart because I, I want to get it done. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about it, and if you act excited, I'll get through it quicker. So <laughs> maybe you won't have to act. Y'all ready to receive this morning? I have watched over the last several years Christians hurt. I, I've just seen it. I, I've, I've experienced it. Uh, surrendering your life, your heart to God. And I have, I have learned that the enemy has really wreaked havoc upon God's people in a lot of ways. And we've got to figure out how to quit that. That's got to stop. And not only does it need to stop, we've got to learn how to expand and I'm not talking just numbers, I'm talking about within ourselves. The Bible talks a lot about the heart, and my title today is Heart Expansion. We've got to learn how to expand our heart. We've got to look at the heart, we've got to make sure we understand the heart and what's going on. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If your heart determines the course of your life, you can look at where you're at right now based on the course you've been on, and you can see if you've either guarded your heart or if you've had an unguarded heart. Because where your life is right now is based on how you treated and what you did with your heart. First scripture that I want to get to today, Hebrews 4.12, that's going to be an explanation of the heart is for the word of God. It's first, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Biblical definition of the heart here, the heart is the combination of soul and spirit. Now, you got to follow along with me just a little bit as I kind of set this all up. Years ago, being raised in a, a church that taught a lot about the heart, I, I was always told that to get saved, you have to ask Jesus into your blood-pumping organ. I mean, really, that's... So I, I thought, all right, well, I'm going to ask Jesus into my heart. And as a child, I didn't understand all of this, but... Years of teaching later, under the Brooks family and Hetty and so many different people that have fed into our lives, I, I, I've been taught a lot about salvation and the three tenses, if you will, of salvation. We are saved because we are a three-part being. And see, if we're a three-part being, we have to understand what that means. We're made in the image of God, who is a three-part being. And in the image of God, we're made three parts. And we are body, soul, and help me out, okay, body, soul, and spirit. 
So I'm not going to teach most of you anything that you don't already know, but here's what you've got to know. All three of those areas in the Word refer to the heart. In your body, you have a heart. See, it, it, your spirit man, the heart. Your soul man, the heart. So when you get saved, we have to understand the tenses of salvation because we're saved in our spirit. But we're saved in our soul and we're saved in our body. Your spirit gets saved, your heart, you ask him into your heart, your spirit gets saved, and you are saved and you are right standing with God, incorrupt, I mean, uncorrupt, you've got it going on. And there's nothing that can take you away from that because there's nothing that got you to it. Your spirit man is saved. Your soul man gets saved, mind, will, and emotions, and you are being saved in your soul, daily renewing your heart, your mind. Scripture's all through the word about this, and then you get to your body, and it will be saved. You've got a body that's perishing, and everybody's trying to keep it from heading that way. I mean, that's, that's what we're doing. And so we understand the tenses of salvation and how that works. Hebrews 4.12, the word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God is so sharp, it's the only thing that divides soul and spirit. And we've got to dive in here. This is really, really good. It'll discern what's in your soul and it'll discern what's in your spirit. He's revealing how sharp the word of God is in the life of of his people. When you become a disciple of Christ and you're living by the word of God, you'll start seeing the word of God working in your life. And I love that. I love watching somebody who you can see their life before Jesus and then after Jesus, and you're like, wow, what a transformation. Here's what I see then a few years later. I see them hurting and like, I don't know how I'm going to make it to tomorrow. And, and like, wait, I saw that transformation. What just happened? What just happened? Well, their hearts broke. But what part of the heart? The blood pumping organ? No, it's still working. The spirit heart, the heart that's the spirit. No, that's uncorruptible. I mean, it's as right with God as it'll ever be. What's messed up is that soul, that mind, will, and emotions. And you have this word in your spirit, and it's righteous and holy, and it will always be once you are born again. Everywhere you see in the Bible the word heart, here's what a lot of people get caught up on. They think it's only talking about your spirit, man. A lot of times in the word, when you see the word heart, they think it's only talking about your mind, will, and emotions. I've, I've built a diagram that I thought was really important for us to see this morning. And I'm going to have them put it up on the screen. Because you have to understand, when it says heart in the Word of God, we have to have an understanding. I thought this would be a great visual for everyone to look at. See, you've got a part of the heart. You've got the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, coming right through the middle. It divides it. So you've got on your left side the soul, the joints. It connects things. The soul connects things. Remember that. The soul connects things. The soul is the mind, will, and emotion. It can be carnal. It can be spiritual. It can either be renewed, it can be unrenewed. So, I mean, you've got all of these things going on, and it, it's got to daily, to be in right standing, be renewed. Then you've got your spirit side of your heart. The marrow produces blood, life, it's born again, it always knows, and your spirit's always willing to do the right thing. Always. See, it has the mind of Christ, it's united to Christ, and life comes from the spirit. 
The Bible calls that the Zoe life, the God kind of life. And it comes from the spirit man. Now, as you look at this and you start understanding this screen, you're like, okay, I've never viewed the heart this way. Well, good, that's why I'm here today. I want you to see things and get an understanding, and here's why. Because we've got to fight this attack that is on God's people that we don't understand what's hurting my heart. See, the heart in the Strong's coordinates is thoughts and feelings, or it says the middle. In the Greek, it's, it's defined as the center of all human life and action. I like doing word studies. It's just always fun for me. And then you can then read scripture and it starts coming alive for you. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man, body, is perishing, yet the inward man, soul, is being renewed day by day. Boy, that scripture just then pops for you when you have an understanding of the heart. Outward man perishing body, inward man renewed day by day, the soul. The soul is the middle of the body and spirit. Get it like this. If the spirit and the body is running parallel in life, mean never intersecting, the spirit and the body, the soul is the middle and comes right in the middle and you either access because you've guarded your heart and you're accessing the spirit man to make all your decisions, then the body, the flesh, is having to submit to what the soul. The part of your heart that needs the word of God is the soul. The spirit man is as right as it will ever be. Transformation for the Christian comes from the renewing of your mind, the renewing of your soul, not the renewing of your spirit. We have so many Christians with a broke heart. And they just don't get this. And they think that, okay, well, I've just lost everything associated with God. And they're accessing everything from the flesh, not the spirit. So how do we deal with this? We have to have a def defining moment where we understand what a broken heart is. And the Bible talks about this. In Luke chapter 21, verse 33, it talks about how to identify a heart that's torn up. Luke 21, verse 33. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Church, know today that your heart can be weighed down. As a Christian, your heart can be weighed down. And it defines how it can be weighed down. With carousing, with drunkenness, and with cares of this life. Our hearts weighed down. Everyone has troubles in this life. Things that weigh down your heart. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. We, we all have things that come upon us that the enemy knows if he can get you to a place of hurt and brokenness, it's at that point that he can keep you from having the victory. So we got to talk about these three. 
These three things that weigh down your heart, because if you identify them, you can know that they're weighing you down. I can tell you, I have had issues with a vehicle and I've taken it to a mechanic and they go, I got it fixed, $600 later, and I got it fixed, it's no problem. And I get home and I'm like, it's doing the exact same thing. I need them to identify the problem before they can fix the problem. So I need the problem identified. Well, here's what I can tell you. Today, the enemy's getting whooped because he's gonna identify for you some things that have been held captive, if you will, that they've kept you from experiencing all that God has for you, and you don't even know it's all this broken heart. It's this soul that's messed up because your spirit's still in right standing. It never got lost. Number one, carousing. Very, very, very interesting word. It's the only, find, only place you'll find in all of Scripture this word. You won't find this anywhere else. It's the only place used in the whole Bible is right here where it talks about carousing. Now, I have known the word carousing because I used to be someone who caroused. And you might go, yeah, me too. That was in my former life. And we only think of it associated with an understanding in the physical. I want to give you a soul definition. It means overindulgence. It means too much of. In the King James, it says surfeiting. That's the only place you'll find that. Surfeiting or or. or or carousing in the New Living Translation. When you're talking about this, you're talking about an appetite that's out of control. Now you understand that in the physical because food, you can overindulge in food. So we can get this word and we can understand what overindulgence is by looking at the body, but I'm talking about your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, overindulging in something. You know, you can overindulge in hobbies. I was a hobbyaholic. And, and, and I got to watch that I don't get overindulged in hobbies because we can head there real quick and all of a sudden that's all that's happening and before long your heart is at a place that's hurting. You don't even know what happened. You know you can overindulge in social media. My wife and I get a kick out of this. We go out to eat and we'll watch a table of other people sitting there and they've all got their phones out and they've not said one word to each other the whole time. They fed themselves social media and food but they miss the interaction that God could have had with just a simple relationship. And so we're overindulging, and so you know you overindulge in the news. Well, pastor, all I watch is Fox. Yeah, and you watch it too much. Well, I don't watch any of the mainstream networks. I only look at, at news online. Yeah, and we've gotta be careful that we don't overindulge in that. Because before long, we're trying to tell everybody what's really going on. Come on. I won't go there. I'm going to move on. Uh, are you getting this? We've got this overindulgence. And when you see the word carousing, you need to know what that means. The second word is drunkenness. Drunkenness. Now, he's not talking about drunkenness of the flesh. And the whole time growing up, I'd read that. I thought, okay, I can't ever have alcohol because I don't want to be drunk. So I got to stay away from alcohol. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the heart and the situation that's going on with the soul of man. Not drunkenness after the flesh, but you need to know you can get drunk in your heart without ever touching alcohol to your lips. Drunkenness of heart. See, people are drunk on their past. They're just drunk on their past. They're, they're, a, a little sip of what's happened over the last 15, 20 years of my life, and that's all we're doing, we're just sipping on it. And, and God is so good, even with that giant hole in your heart, he just keeps feeding you his presence. 
but it's just continually that hole you just keep sipping. People drunk on disappointment. They sit around and just, I can't believe that didn't work out for me. That didn't work out for me again. It's just, that's just my life. Can you believe what so-and-so said about me? I just read that post, and I know that post was all about me. They defriended me. Sober up. See, there's a drunkenness going on with God's people. We can't even identify it. We don't know what's happening here. Past hurts, past sin are keeping you drunk of heart. And we've got to learn how to sober up. There are three conditions of a drunk that you need to know about. I've been around a bunch of drunks. I grew up with a whole bunch of them. Every weekend at the lake, I'd watch people get drunk, and I'd get a kick out of them because then I could do whatever I wanted. And I could do what, I mean, if I wanted to borrow somebody's boat out on the lake, all I had to do is get them to a certain place of drunkenness, and I could, I could use something that normally I couldn't use. You don't think the devil don't know that about you. When you're drunk of heart, here's some conditions of a drunk. They're disoriented or they're confused. Heart gets drunk and you're just confused. Heart gets drunk, you, you got poor judgment, you lose all discernment, you lose your inhibitions, you make bad decisions. Physically, you get drunk and, and, and you do something you'd normally never do. It's no different when you're drunk of heart. You're doing something you would have never done. You're drunk in your heart. Liquid courage is not the same as Holy Ghost courage. So we, we don't understand this, but it's like you don't argue with anyone normally, but when you're drunk, you start opening your mouth and saying something real stupid. It's the same thing that happens when you're drunk of heart. You're opening your mouth and you're saying things, and you're like, you should never have said that. That should have never came out of Are you getting this? See, the, the, you get drunk of, of heart, and one of the conditions of a drunk and, and the things that happen is you then become vulnerable. So you're confused, you're disoriented, you have poor judgment, and then you become vulnerable. When you're sober, you'd have never done the things that you're doing, but when you're drunk, you start doing something that never in a million years would have begun. That would never happen. I would have never done that. You, you got to know that if you can get someone drunk, you can make something happen that wouldn't have happened had they not been drunk. And you've got to understand the enemy knows that. So he wants to keep God's people drunk of heart. And this scripture starts just exploding for you. Wow, I never saw that. Praise God, that's why you're here today. Because I know that God laid this on my heart to help somebody who's just been dealing with a drunk heart. And they didn't even know that's what it was. They didn't know that's what it was. Satan has to get your heart drunk to take advantage of you. And when you're of sober mind, you're a threat to the devil. You have all of heaven's army behind you when you're sober-minded, when you've got a sober heart. Your mind, will, and emotions. And it's not just physically getting it messed up, although you can make that application, but you need to make it to your heart. First Peter chapter 5 Verse 6, therefore humble yourselves, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. When God's exalting you, the devil's under your feet. And if he can keep you from being exalted, then he don't have to be under your feet. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Going on, it says, be sober, 
be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Who may he devour? All those that are drunk. That's the only chance he has is to get you drunk of heart and he's going to take you. I read that and I go, okay, thank you, Lord, for that. So the enemy is like a roaring lion. And when I am sober, he's nothing but a little pussycat with no teeth. And declawed. He ain't got no chance. So, but we've got to get God's people to a place to understand that they have to be sober of heart. This just applies in so many areas. It says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We've got to learn to have a sober heart. We've got to learn this. The kingdom of God is dependent upon the Father being to work through his people. That's the way he set it up. He wants to work through you. And he don't want you to be drunk of heart. He wants you to be sober. So many times, Michelle and I have found ourselves in positions of we're not thinking right. Right now, we're, we're a little confused. We're disoriented. We don't know. We're not making, if we were to make a decision right now, it wouldn't be a good one. And, and we, okay, you can be a wonderful, God-fearing Christian and still have to deal with a drunken heart. I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm just here to tell you this happens to God's people. And real quick, you need to get that breathalyzer going. Where is my heart right now? Because if I'm not guarding it as we started out, then my course is messed up. I don't want my course messed up. Michelle and I found ourselves there, and what do we do? We go to a meeting. And we go to a meeting with people whose hearts are not drunk. Drunks attract drunks. People who have a hole in their heart are attracted to someone else who's got the same hole in their heart. Jesus is Lord of a sober heart. You just need to know that. The last point is cares of this world. Cares of this world. Cares, worry, anxiety, fear. We've never seen that like we have the last few years. This pandemic caused so much fear, so much care of what's going on. And here's what I found. God's people didn't want anybody to die. And I really found that a lot of people in the world who didn't even know God didn't want people to die. What we disagreed with was which access we had. See, we all were coming in the middle, that soul uh, of the heart. And they were saying, wait, here's what the world says. Well, they're only coming from a flesh standpoint. And God's people are trying to say, wait, here's what the Spirit of God says. And how do we, what do we do here? Well, we got weighed down with cares of this world. And it started really hurting our heart. And what are we going to do here? And, and, and we got to take heed. The Bible says, take heed. Be aware, be vigilant, know what's happening. We know overindulgence of the heart, drunkenness of the heart, being so wrapped up in the world can mess up the heart. So how do we resist Satan in those areas? The first thing is, is you make sure that you're aware that you can have a messed up heart and be saved. In your spirit, man. So you're not alone. You're not alone. These things happen to God's people. I, I just, this whole year has been so good for Christian Ministries Church. We've had a year of faith and talking about faith. 
And I'm just going to make a couple of statements before we close today. You can only resist Satan in faith. Let's say it one more time. You can only resist Satan in faith. You cannot resist Satan in unbelief. Faith is a condition of the heart. It comes out of your heart. Unbelief is a condition of the heart. And it comes out of the heart. Boy, are you seeing this? God's people are getting educated on this and they're going, okay, Satan, we're ruining your approach on my life. Faith has a voice and unbelief has a voice. A great tool here. I got to be honest with myself and I got to determine my voice. People will say, well, I just, come on, you've heard this. I just wish they knew my heart. You don't even know your heart. That heart is messed up. That mind, will, and emotions. I mean, how can anyone else know when you don't even know? What you're known by is your fruit. What you're known by is your doings. Even a child is known in school as either a troublemaker or a good kid. You're known by what you do. That's how people know you. And if we get to that point and understand that, then how do I know faith is in my heart or unbelief is in my heart? There's a voice. There's a voice. Faith has a voice and unbelief has a voice. Let me read you a scripture. Matthew 12, 34. Jesus is saying this. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. What comes out of your mouth is determined by whatever's in your heart. If faith is in your heart, there'll be a voice that comes right out your mouth and it it will reveal what's in your heart. Here's the voice of faith, thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise. If you're not giving God thanks, faith is not in your heart. The voice of faith is thank you, God. Thank you, God. Well, you just don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm going through. But what I'm telling you is you can start hearing where their heart is based on what comes out of their mouth. If you hear Thanksgiving, I know what they're dealing with. Yeah, and God's bigger than that. And yeah, that's a thing. I'm not saying I'm not there. But what I'm telling you is I might be there right now, but I have someone leading me out of there. Praise God. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm blessed in. I'm blessed out when I'm in the city, when I'm out of the city. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. See, all of these things start coming out. That's the voice of faith. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. I know, but I'm hearing what you're saying, so I'm hearing what's in your heart. And I'm not condemning it, but here's what you've got to know. Unbelief has a voice. And you know what that voice is? It's murmuring and complaining. How's it going? It's the worst day of my whole life. And I'll tell you why. So-and-so unfriended me. And I didn't even do anything. Come on. You hear this murmuring and complaining, and what I'm telling you is that ought to not make you mad at them. You've just got some work to do to help them heal that heart. You can just know they're on a little bit of drunken stupor right now. They're at a place in that heart that's hurting. They've been carousing, surfeiting. They've been out doing a little bit of sipping on the past or on people. 
and they're hurting or they're all caught up on the cares of this world. Man, the last three years, you couldn't talk to anybody. It's like, well, I'm telling you now, this pandemic, well, I'm telling you, God's got this. He didn't go, oh, no, what are we going to do now? You better get on the right team. See, what are you doing? Faith has a voice, and it's thanksgiving. So when you leave here today, start talking about that in your car. Start talking about that in your life. There's a voice murmuring and complaining. And if whatever is in your heart determines what you say, you better guard what you're saying because that is going to help you guard your heart. Listen to what's coming out. Expand your heart by learning all of these tools. Y'all get anything out of this today? Y'all stand with me. I, I just, Tim and I were talking before we came out here today, and as we were visiting about this, you can know this. If you can't leave with one or two things, then we didn't do a good job today of communicating. You're here today because Ephesians says you're in church to be, get equipped. And you're equipped for the work of the ministry. So today, I, I just want to commission you in prayer and get in agreement that you're going to leave here and you're going to go do a mighty work because you understand more about the heart than you've ever understood maybe before. Or maybe it just brought back, oh yeah, I knew that. Well, praise God. Let's go out there and do something about it. Let's make an impact for the kingdom of God in everyday life, not just Sunday morning. Not, let's make it every day of our life. Father, I thank you today for this church and your people. And God, more than that, I thank you that your word is so applicable and so real. And Lord, that it divides soul and spirit. God, I thank you that our heart is made right in our spirit, man, and that our heart is made right with your word as we renew it every day. And Lord, we keep out of a drunken stupor. We don't let carousing, we don't let the cares of this world cause our heart to get to a place that we're not in faith anymore. God, I pray that our church would stay in faith and that voice would come out in thanksgiving. I give you praise for your word and how it makes a difference every day of our life. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.